told that that um, you know other religions in the world existed because um, uh, because of the culture and the people at that time. So within Hinduism, if you really look at the the whole cosmology and belief systems, they don't really say that certain religions. Um, are false. They just say that they exist for different people. So that gave me an opportunity to have really open-mindedness in regards to other religions. Um, one thing I'm really blessed to have had is never been told that my way was the only way being raised. Right. So then as I, um, when I came to California and I moved, you know, when I was 12 years old, moved out here, I started having like all these types of questions. I'm like, you know, um, like thinking that things weren't, weren't, weren't the way they could be in the world. And that, things were a little off. So when I graduated high school in 2000 and, um, you know, all of a sudden I'm around all types of different people and um, listening to various types of music, I started having the question and it really was foundational was my, my upbringing. And the question was, um, what is the root of all religion? Right. And I was thinking what the root of all religion is because as I was being raised, I was seeing that there were so many similarities within the religion I was raised into compared to the other ones. And why do we focus so much on what separates us rather than what unites us when there's so much information there in plain sight about the connection? And, you know, a great example would be Christianity, supposedly, supposedly a monotheistic religion, and Hinduism is pagan religion, and they can't have any similarities to it. But if you just look at the life of Krishna, and you even look at, I'll give you just one like word, like, in the beginning was Brahman, right? And where do you hear in the beginning, you know, with in the beginning was the word, right? You know, so it's like the, the text and was so connected. I went on this search looking for the root of all religion. And as I was doing that, I started finding older texts, older texts, until I finally found the Sumerian scriptures, the seven tablets of creation. And that was like the beginning, the entrance in 2001, 2002, um, I found the Sumerian scriptures. I started reading, like, I had the Quran with me, the Bible, the Old Testament, the Bhagavad Gita, the Sumerian scriptures. I would be reading them all simultaneously, highlighting similarities and really finding that this scripture in the Sumerian scriptures seems to be the source material for most of the religions in the world. And Old Testament is almost verbatim from, from this. However, if instead of saying God, we take that out and we replace it with older text that says gods with an S, but it doesn't even say gods. It says beings from another other planet. <laughs> so that's what really started the rabbit hole search. And I started looking at all religion from a different lens and being like, whoa, were these just advanced beings that visited earth, you know, and that kind of just kept me going down into that information for eight years until 2008, when I finally created portal to ascension, it started as an online group. And then eventually um, started doing live events in 2008 when I wanted to see if the big community online on Facebook would actually attend events. And then since then, we've been yeah. picking up momentum. We had a few milestones on the way, but at this point, we've become a full-on consciousness event production company. We do around 110 events a year. We um, do like retreats, tours, conferences, webinars, documentaries. That, and documentaries and the tours we just started last year slash this year. So it's like... We're continuously looking at every way to get this information out and becoming a multimedia platform for it. And that's that's up to right now, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, so I am 
what we've been doing here, because we're in Shasta, is we've been laying out, because with this, all these departments in Portal to Ascension, this music studio, that one's um, also something that needs to be created. So with the documentaries, we have the equipment, we filmed ourselves, I've created 10 to 15 minute mini documentaries of, um, I, since I travel full time, when we go, when I travel, I go to ancient sites, because that ties directly into Portal to Ascension. And then I create little tours and documentaries, like 10, 15 minute ones of those areas. So the next step is to um, maybe hire a part-time screenwriter, um, help someone help direct, you know, and I'll be the executive producer and um, start creating full feature movies, like uh, one on Star Seeds, right? One of the hybridization program. And then also like doing ancient history documentaries through the lens of the cycles of time, the Yuga cycles, because that's a whole other ballgame because we've been evolving and devolving in consciousness. So if you look at the map of the evolution, devolution of consciousness, and then you put it with the historic timeline, and it kind of paints a whole other picture of who these people were and what they knew. So this is something that uh, we're going to go to Mexico, as you know, in a few weeks, and there's a team of three of us going. So we're hoping to start getting the footage and then, you know, start creating these documentaries from that. Exactly, man. Right, right. And if we were going through, are you familiar with cycles of time, the yuga cycles at all? Yeah, so the young Adrias, so here's like the, the yuga cycle, right? You have like four cycles on one side, four ages on one side, and it's just a mirror reflection. So the young Adrias, we're right here at the bottom, about to come, we're on the way back up, right? The young Adrias was pretty much almost exactly the opposite of where we're at now. So it was right at the fall, at the beginning of the descending age of the Satya Yuga, which is the golden age. So the um, the young Adrias and the flood that occurred and some sort of cataclysm, whether it was a solar flare or an asteroid, um, created the flood on Earth, happened to be in the period that was a golden age. So then we see a reset of civilization and then we see Egypt popping up on the scene, even though we've been told conventionally Egypt started 10,000 years later. Now we're starting to discover and people we're working with, including Robert Schock, who's going to be at our conference in San Diego in April. Um, we're realizing that Egypt is a lot of places, the pyramids, the Sphinx, are at least 12,000 years old. Some are speculating another 26,000 years on top of that, because the reason why that they know is because of the uh, positioning of the stars, right? And every 26,000 years from this, if like tonight, in 26,000 years, the night sky is going to be exactly the same. You know what I'm saying? So they're wondering whether it was this cycle or a cycle before that. Yep. Yeah, Leo. Right, exactly. And interesting enough, Aquarius was right behind it. So now Aquarius is in front of it, and that's the age that we're going into. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, if we look at the antiquity of humanity and the advancements we had, it changes everything we've been told because we've been told that around that time, you know, especially 12,000 years ago, we were primitive hunter gatherers, 
right? And oops, right. So we look. So it looks like almost. I would say that there is some sort of intention and agenda, and there are those who know. But then, there many people that just look at society as linearly evolving since the last reset, which was, you know, actually there's probably been a few other resets since then because there was another flood a few thousand years ago. Um, but that major reset was kind of like where we start seeing mainstream science start saying like, oh well, we were like primitive at this point, and then we started going up. But then there's a few anomalies, like how did Babylon? And Egypt just appeared to be such an advanced civilization from seemingly, um, you know, agriculture and hunter-gatherer communities. All of a sudden, they have all these advancements. So these things within archaeology are just swept under the rug. So if there's a few anomalies that go against the grain, people sweep them under the rug for two reasons. One could be agenda-oriented, right? They might have a reason for it. And the other one is that a lot of these people will lose their grants if they go against what is conventionally accepted. And then they just went to school for nothing. They can't even work in this field anymore and everybody will shun them. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, it's interesting. So it's kind of like the way you word it, right? Like, because so consciousness is everything all the time, everywhere, and we are it, right? So what has happened is we have perceived ourselves within a limited frequency of bandwidth, okay? So there's all these vibrations. There's a light spectrum. There's a frequencies. We can only hear 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz, but we know that so many other frequencies exist. And we've now adopted the belief that what we perceive is the only thing that really exists. Even though we can quantify, literally quantum physics, so we can quantify the fact that all these other frequencies of experience exist. We're even using them. We're using ultrasound. You can't even see it, but we can we use it for all types of things, right? So what is occurring now is a re um, is a shift of our belief systems to realize that we are more on our capabilities are way more than we've been we've been told and we've come to believe. Uh, when you look at the cycles of time, it also goes hand in hand with galactic weather, solar systematic solar system position within our galaxy and certain cosmic rays that has also been proven by mainstream science that hit the planet when we're at certain parts of the galaxy and when we're in relation to certain positions within our photon belt, which is the flat plane of the uh, Milky Way galaxy. So we now have the support of basically the galaxy in order to give us the frequencies needed for us to have remembrance of this. So what is occurring is that we're just tapping in if you look at our brains as an antenna, right? Our antenna has been tuned to a distorted frequency. We've been getting static on the frequency. And so what is occurring from the support of the cosmos, from information on the planet, from the cycles of time, from prophecy, is that our antenna is now shifting to another frequency where we're able to receive more information that's been there all the time. And part of that is gonna be um, the remembrance of who we are. And remembrance means um, you can remember your past lives, your extraterrestrial lives, but the ultimate remembrance is our own divinity and true potential because the human body is a really advanced um, 
avatar. It's a really advanced technology that we're able to do some miraculous things. So as we start shifting our consciousness and evolving, these things are going to come online, including telepathy, you know, and many other elements. Now, in regards to how we've been evolving and continuously evolving, it looks like from what we just shared in the beginning that we've been going through cycles. We've been coming, we've been devolving, evolving. And when we devolve, we go through this forgetfulness phase of amnesia. We forget who we are, where we come from, all this stuff. And then we're just like like lost ants on the earth trying to figure it out. Everybody's just trying to figure it out. So now we are shifting back into this other octave. And I just want to add one more thing to this is now the question is, are we in this cycle that's going to continue being a cycle and we're just going to forget again in a few thousand years? Or are we going to transcend this cycle and have full remembrance and keep evolving for hundreds of thousand years and then go and populate the rest of the galaxy with our hopefully conscious selves at that point, right? So it's like, that is what it happens to be within this construct right now. That's what the Hopi prophesies is that we're actually breaking free from this cycle. And some people call it the cycle of karma. So I feel like this is something new that maybe has not been done before within these, you know, the cycles that we've been a part of for so long. Uh-huh. Yeah, man. Right. And it's interesting because all information in is, is in our DNA. The human blueprint of everything is in our DNA. But also in the subatomic particles and non-locality, you know, what is quantum computing, for example? It's basically, and, and non-locality, it's basically being able to pull information from another part of the universe from where you're at instantaneously and we're able to actually do this in the lab and even through computers and there is no actual um step-by-step -step instructions of how this works we just know it does okay so, so basically all information is available all the time in the subatomic world which is interesting because we're talking about everything's around us so does that mean that everything around us that is this complete data set of information is actually a reflection of the subatomic particles within. That's all the data. And then maybe the, you know, the mirror reflection is the fact that we have it all around us. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we're, we're remembering and it's all around us. It's within us. And the it seems that we have a collective set of beliefs that we adopted. And that is kind of the karmic cycle within. So there's, there's cycles within cycles within cycles. And you can even look at it as a uh, as the clogs, uh, clogs within a clock, right? How it's like that cycle within cycle. And then the first cycle is a cycle that seems to be linear, which is our solar system cycle which is the rel um, relation of our earth to our sun, which is why we have our linear time, right? Based on our distance to our sun. And then this, the next cycle is the actual cycle of our rotation around the galaxy. But as uh, the Milky Way galaxy, the black hole, the supermassive black hole, and that is really a cycle. But as we're doing that cycle, we're actually doing Fibonacci spirals up and down like a wave 
over the photon belt, the Milky Way galaxy. This is the cycle that most ancient civilizations talk about when they talk about the central sun. When you hear the word sun and central sun um, in many of these ancient scriptures, including the Mayan scriptures, the Hopis, India, you know, they are actually not talking about the sun in, the, in our solar system. They're talking about the supermassive black hole. That's the central sun, also known as the seat of God, right? The, because it's the entrance to the void. So that's one cycle. So now if we transcend that and go into a higher cycle, is our galaxy going around something else in the center of our universe? And is the universe going around something else within the multiverse? And are these all cycles within cycles of cycles that all have their own collective belief systems? So like, for example, our belief systems in the solar system might only be to beings in the solar system, but then our belief systems um, with other solar systems within our galaxy have the same belief systems within the entire galaxy. Basically, maybe not belief systems, but a set of rules and regulations that we abide by. You know what I'm saying? Right, exactly. So it's almost like these esoteric concepts seem to be actually physically playing out with the rotations that are going on in our galaxy and universe. I know, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's all frequency, right? So it's all vibration. And <clears throat> I don't say like higher or lower at this point because numbers higher and lower is a human construct. I mean, different ET races or even more advanced civilizations might look at it completely different. So it's, and of, there are good frequencies that are low, like the Schumann resonance. That's a healthy frequency. It's like seven point something, right? So the best way to look at it is harmonic frequency compared to disharmonic frequency. So we've been at a distorted disharmonic frequency for so long and we're getting to a harmonic vibration. And, so the cycles of time are completely connected to that. When we're in the lower, uh, when we're in the lower parts of the cycles, the Kali Yuga, the Dwarpa Yuga, we're in cycles that are very disharmonic. When we go to the higher ones, the vibrations start becoming harmonic. So frequency is everything because everything vibrates. You and I, we're not solid beings. We're vibrating subatomic particles, right? And there, not only does that show us that everything that vibrates can affect our vibration, right? But it also shows us that what we perceive as physicality really isn't that. And that also goes back to the holographic universe thing. You know, what really are we? And um, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but on November 2nd, which might have passed by the time this airs. Uh, okay, well, they can actually go to our YouTube then. And we're going to do on November 2nd, which is passed at this point, is going to be they're reading five panels on extraterrestrial awareness that are going to be for free on YouTube and Zoom. And the last one is called What is the Multiverse slash Universe? And this one we're going to talk about, are we a hologram? Are we frequency? What's outside the universe? How many universes are there? So it's like we're getting into these conversations, you know, because it's kind of interesting to speculate, man. Like, are we in a multiverse? Is there only one universe, right? How did the universe even start?
Right, right. And then, like, yeah, because if there's infinite power realities where every single possibility of what we've done exists, right, and that gets into, like, is there even free will or do we even have the perception of there being free will? As someone told me once, it's predetermined free will because basically the universe works on a paradox. So predetermined free will is paradoxical, right? And then it's predetermined because every possibility that you could do exists, but is free will because every possibility exists, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so uh, our choosing basically shifts us into the dimension in which we made that choice. You know, um, there's a guy, Daryl Anker, who channels Bashar, and he said in one of his channels that I kind of resonated with, he's all, even move, because we're all frequency moving. The fact that we work out and go to the gym to lose weight is just like... Um, when we're all just vibration, you know what I mean? Like, whereas the fact is like, like, so he was saying, and this is why I said that. So he was saying that you don't even move, right? You basically just shift into the dimension where you exist in that place already. So, so we're doing all these things. We're going for a bike ride, all this stuff, but all we're doing, we're not really even moving. We're just shifting to a place where we already existed. But the collective belief system of this linear time is that it's actually real. The only way that we can experience it we're basically actors on a stage, right? But we're actors that don't know we're acting, you know? So so that that is why we're unconscious creators for the most part and living unintentionally because we're actors that don't know we're in a play or in a show. So what the, what the ascension is, this is like the best analogy I've found, the, the ascension is us becoming conscious that we're acting, you know? And having fun with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel that nothing is inherently evil or bad. I feel that we polarize it ourselves and it's it, technology is increasing. It's not seeming to go anywhere unless we have some huge solar flare that resets everything. And at this point on earth, so many people don't have basic skills that we used to have that maybe wouldn't, we wouldn't re be able to rebuild. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. Right, right. So, like, for, for AI, I feel like if we're going down this path and it continues moving this way, it's definitely going to, you know, be a part of our life. And it already is. And um, so I don't think it's a bad thing. I think we need to shift our consciousness so that we can use this technology more consciously. And the consequence of that might be when we shift our consciousness, you know, and what that what does that mean? It means doing the inner work to release the traumas, to release the um um, the pain and the suffering or and or shifting our perspective around it to realize it's happening for us to have lessons rather than being victim to it, right? And if we all do that and really transcend some of these deep underlying pains, traumas, insecurities, we've shifted our consciousness. And if we get to that point, we can look at things from a place of non-reaction, you know, divine neutrality and um, and not try to use it for to further our insecurities, 
to create more safety and security because we're afraid of that or we have some sort of paranoia and then we could start using these things for the betterment of all humanity whereas right now or the way the system's created is that these things are created but they're really the multi-level you know corporations the that are behind these things are really doing it for personal gain right and the bottom line so whether the bottom line to them is to increase their money or the bottom line to them is in order to exert control from it that is all because we haven't collectively shifted our consciousness to be at a place where we don't even need to enact that on society right so so yeah my answer is it's going to happen and that's why i really focus on the spiritual things within portal to ascension because the only way we can really be the caretakers and adopt these technologies is if we're at the frequency that you know that we can do this more consciously Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel ETs are here, you know, not all not all of the ones that have and invest the interest in earth but i think that they they're here i think some of them are living amongst us um you know and others are around us but they're out of phase in a different frequency i believe some are within the earth that have been here for a long time the ultra terrestrials and now if they're using our technology and our ai to infiltrate like as in like a negative agenda to infiltrate through our ai I don't even think they need to do that. I feel like there's been a chokehold on this system for so long that they already infiltrated it, you know? And, you know, that goes into the Archonic stuff and the ancient information on just, um, like, the ET information of the fact that we were going through these cycles of time and then there was an infiltration during those cycles of time that made our experience way more darker than it used to be in other ages, right? That's one of the beliefs as well. So I feel the ETs are here. Um in regard and but there's also many benevolent beings that are also around us all the time and it is inevitable that we're ascending so whether they're going to like take control of our ai or not i don't think so but the question is that is maybe some sort of ai controlling the system of earth as it is anyway because it seems that we're so fractalized from source and as we fractalize from source there's all these beings that become conscious that want to create in their own image right and i'm kind of going all over the place so let me explain it like this like so because i'm trying to I'm th this is all coming to me as, as we're talking about it because i haven't really thought too deeply about it so when it comes to uh creation right from from my research from channeling events from looking at scriptures that talk about ancient uh, et stuff it seems that every being that becomes sentient in the cosmos wants to create in their image, right? It's almost like the initial um, blueprint from source. Source wanted to experience itself infinitely, wanted to experience itself from, as something other than what it is to the infinite level, right? And if source is pure light, 
the opposite of source is complete darkness. So one thing is source fragmented into duality, right? And it, then duality eventually became darkness and light. And then darkness and light in the lower densities became good and evil. In the higher densities, um, darkness and light doesn't really have to represent good and evil. Within this one, uh, it became that way. However, source birthed what eventually became good and evil. Source didn't, like, it, it's not like God and Cain and Abel where, like, where, I mean, like, Adam and Cain and Abel where one of the sons was, like, cast out because he killed the other son, right? Source loves itself infinitely and decided to experience itself as duality to experience itself infinitely. So that original blueprint fractalized, fractalized, fractalized so many different ways and so many different beings. Now, as these beings became aware, sentient, the God self in that being wakes up. And when the God self in that being wakes up, they want to create in their image. So now we're on earth. We're in the lowest of dimensions, one, two, three, and four, right here on earth. And now because we're in this dimension and we're sentient, we want to create in our image. So what have we created with the technology that we have and the limitations we got on this earth? Computers. And what did these computers eventually become? AI. And now these AIs are becoming sentient, right? And that, so this is a, this is our destiny is to create. And we created and then we kept creating until we can make that creation think and be on its own and do its own thing. So why will we even judge that? It's we we're doing it based on the tools that we have, based on the original blueprint of source. And the only reason we're judging it is people are afraid, you know, like the whole Terminator scenario, right? That they're gonna take over and all that stuff. So it's like we gotta really we gotta really do our own inner work so that we can allow creation to be creation. And a good example is, you know, every single one of these beings are created, a lot of them created other dimensions. Or other dimensions existed and they were at a frequency where they could perceive the dimension and then they created a being in that dimension and then incarnated into that being to have a simultaneous existence and experience while they're in the other dimension, right? That was the original Earth story. So what is a hard drive? It's a, it's a disk that has a dimension of information on it because I bet you anything, if you break it open, you're not going to find your Word document fall out of it, you know? So it's like we've literally created a dimension with the tools that we have right now. So that's how I see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I'm excited because you you're going to be interviewing a few people from this conference. So everybody here everybody here gets to experience them. And so this is the Portals to Ascension Conference. Started the live in-person one, started in 2018. We did live in Irvine, California, 2019 as well. And then, you know, something happened on the world, so we can't, we couldn't do it anymore in person. And then, <laughs> I don't We had missing time. That's what we had. We got, we got abducted for years. 
<laughs> so we went online and we did like three online. So this is the fifth annual. And now we're coming back to San Diego. So it's a portal to San Diego conference. It's going to you know keep um, happening every year. We're also doing it in Glastonbury this year in August. So in April. Yeah. So we're going to hopefully these two continue. And then every year we might pick up another city and three year, year, four year, you know. So the San Diego one is at the Marina Village Conference Center, April 21st, 22nd, 23rd. And we have um, speakers like Linda Moulton Howe, Robert Edward Grant, who's a next level sacred geometry and ancient civilizations guy. He used to work with Asim Haramain. We have um, JJ and Desiree Hurtak that are scholars of ancient Egyptian information. Plus, they were also uh, assisted um, Ellen Heidnick for Project Blue Book uh, back in the day as well. We have Barbara Lamb, who's the world's like literally best hypnotherapist when it comes to regressing people to extraterrestrial lives. Right. So we got her. Uh, we have amazing music. So this event is basically a celebration of of humanity. And the theme is humanity awakens. So it's not like let's awaken at this point. It's like it's game time. We're waking up. Let's come together, share our resources. So there will be three days of like incredible music, right? So it's an experience. Basically, the way our um, the way our journey, um, the way our conferences are, it's like an educational theater. <laughs> you know, it's like going to a show because I love like just like constant amazing entertainment and just flowing from in one thing to another. So we'll have like. Um, breath work and movement things in the morning. We'll get into a lot of information. We'll have music, sound healing events, after parties, Kirtan band, you know, DJs. So it's going to be a really great experience. And we're overlooking the marina. We're five minutes from SeaWorld. So we're literally just overlooking the ocean. So it's a really beautiful venue. And it's a beautiful time of year in San Diego. So I invite everybody, you know, to come out and check it out. And if you can't attend live, you can watch the live stream. But really, if you can come out, like, please do, because this is going to be like, we really need, I'm realizing more than ever because of COVID is that we really need that connection. And there is some sort of, you know, intention out there to create us as digital versions of ourselves, you know? And so the, so having these moments where we get to connect with each other, give each other hugs and have conversations, I feel are really important. So it's going to be cultivating that experience, plus just a lot of great information and, and beautiful people there. No, I haven't. Is that in Eugene? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I've been invited a few times and I stayed in Eugene a few times and I stayed, you know, when you get off in Eugene and go to the coast, there's a, I stayed at a farm for like a week over there before. So a lot of people told me about it, but I've never gone. It's, okay, okay.
right, right. So it's oh man, okay. So it's it's just so interesting the way the humanity works and how it's like this original blueprint of humanity of source that we're distorting because of polarity, you know. And what is the metaverse? It's a dimension that we're able to incarnate into. So David Ike just came out with a new book called The Trap, right? And he's been doing some really great interviews, and it's, it's really his best work. Um, and um, so within this, he talks about how there's a simulation. And I've been saying this for a while, too, that there's a simulation within a simulation. Okay, And I would say that, for example, all the jobs and most 90% of all the work we do in the world have nothing to do with us being able to like have a beautiful planet, to live, to cultivate relationships. It's just a fake system that we created that we're buying into and clocking in, clocking out of. That really doesn't need to exist if we just reframe our perspective of what it means to be human, right? And so that is a system within the system. And then so there, so he's saying the metaverse is a simulation within a simulation within a simulation. Every simulation that they've put upon us, we've waken up from. So they're they're basically attempting to create an inception version of ourselves that we get so fragmented from the original source of who we are just within this third dimension, not higher dimensions that we everything seems so foreign to us because they've created these simulations so when we step out and just be because what is the third dimensional experience getting out into nature and just being here but you're still on this planet you have that available now right when you've created such a something that seems so uh, non like organic and you're st stuck within it's it's really separated you from who you truly are so the metaverse in my opinion has been created in a way for us to basically be more lost within this illusion, you know? And yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that because everything else I say beyond that would be speculation. <laughs> so I got to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, the body needs movement, interaction, connection, um, a cognitive abilities from um, connecting with people and being touched in the body and skin. You know, um, I don't know if you remember that movie with Bruce Willis where it basically was a metaverse. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so... Most of the time you think that they're like in the beginning, you you don't know that it's a separate life and existence, but he's like all polished up, amazing person, walk around, everybody loves him. And then he's just like some dude in a room with virtual reality goggles that is like decaying because he's not moving around or, you know, wanting to leave. Like th these individuals are the ones that created the algorithms to, um, to what's it called, exploit our addictions you know, and, exp and to utilize technology that they know will make us more addicted to use their technology. That's what Facebook does. So Instagram does. That's what McDonald's does. You know, like they all put these things in there that they know are going to like just pull us into it more. So to think that they want to create a metaverse to, for us to go into and then they want us to only use it just a part of the time isn't the case. These guys have unlimited funding and marketing to be able to convince people to really be in this and this be their world, right? So that gets into 
the intention behind it. The intention behind the metaverse, I don't feel is for humanity. It's for the bottom line of whatever they really want, whatever their agenda is, whether it's money or whether it's to corrupt humanity's soul, you know? Right, exactly. Yes. Okay, let me just pull it up then. Graham Hancock. Yeah, so, you know, the way I do my events is I pretty much just pull people that I'm really excited about. <laughs> so I'm excited about everybody. But Robert Shock, I mean, I love Robert Shock. He was at my 2019 conference too. Not only is he like a great researcher and really changing, you know, the true timeline of history with his information, but he's one of the sweetest kind of souls I know. So he's just a really beautiful person. So I'm excited to have him there for his energy, his information. He's done a lot more research in the last three years since... You know, the last presentation he did three years ago on Portal to Ascension was on the erosion around the Sphinx and all of that. So now I'm hoping he's going to go, well, I know he's going to go a little further with that. So I'm excited for him. We have Carolyn Corey. Are you familiar with her? So she created a few documentaries. The first one was on um, UFOs and quantum physics. Second one was on Super, it's called Superhuman. And basically the science behind the fact that we are able to tap into human, um, superhuman abilities, you know, when it comes to our consciousness and vibration and all that. And then our last one just came out and it's doing very well. Uh, William Shatner's in it, Mishra Kaku's in it, and which is pretty cool because this is the first time they've ever come over to a UFO documentary. And she took them out and did studies with them with like, like the movie, it's a tear, a tear in the sky. It's on Amazon. And the documentary has, um, like they have, they're in Catalina Island and they're also on the coast of like Orange County and they have like, I don't even know, like 20 to 30 different types of sensory things in order to sense the whole night sky to see if there's any anomalies because this is where some of the UFO sightings from the Navy pilots had occurred that were released a few years ago. And then she brings the Navy pilots that reported it a few years ago that got shunned and left their jobs and positions um, because of how much um, um, how much judgment they were getting for the fact that they came out with this information. So she's there, William Shatner, Mishra Kaku, these Navy pilots, and the anomalies happen again. They film a, a portal, they see UFOs, like it's all types of amazing things. So she's going to be there basically talking about this documentary because this, uh, her really, this documentary is the next level of any UFO documentary. It's really proving that this existed they're like well let's go to one of these sites where all these sites were occurring let's get every type of like they probably spent 
couple hundred thousand on the sensors. Like it was like state of the art stuff. Um, let's spend not let's not um, let's spend as much as we need for every sensor that we could possibly get to see if there's any type of activity. And then they recorded so much activity there, and then they did the whole entire thing about it. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. So you, you should watch it. You're going to, I think we have her for you to interview too, right? So you can watch it first. Yeah. So Linda Moulton Howe, go ahead. Yeah. So she, she was Miss Iowa, I think it was, like in the 70s and 80s. And then she became a journalist. And now she's basically, she's a journalist within UFO community. And she's just, her information is really great. She's such a thorough researcher. She um, asked some amazing questions to the people, you know. And she has a channel called Earth Files on YouTube. And I recommend everybody tuning in, check her YouTube out, Earth Files. And um, she's doing weekly streams there that are really great production that are going over and giving you updates on all the things. Like basically if you had a actual journalist following all the information coming out neutrally and then connecting the dots, um, she's probably the best one for that. And her channel is produced really well so that you get really get a good visual experience from it. So she's excited to come because um, from all of the whistleblowers she's talking to and some insider information that there is something, another milestone event happening at the end of March, beginning of April in regards to the disclosure of the extraterrestrial presence. And some of the insiders say that the announcement that we're not alone in the universe and there's extraterrestrial life visiting our planet is basically what they're expecting. So, you know, I'm not into dates or making any predictions, but she's definitely excited because from everything that she's tracking has her finger on the pulse of something's going to occur. So she was going to, her intention is to speak about the updates at the event. Yeah, exactly. So she's been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just say a couple other people I'm excited about. Adam Apollo, I really like Adam. been working with him for years. And he's just, he's basically through astral travel, he's, and other types of experiences, remote viewing, he's visited hundreds of planets. He's like um, an encyclopedia of ET planets, civilizations, and races. Of what's on the planet, what they do, how they eat, how they live, what their technology is. And it just comes out of him effortlessly, like he's experienced it firsthand. So we've done presentations with him on galactic races, like seed races, the ones that have gone around and seeded planets, including our Earth. We've done ones on galactic technology. So he's coming there. He's called he uh, he's called the Galactic Ambassador. So he's going to come there and basically give us a really cosmic experience. Like I'm not sure exactly what he's going to get into, but everything he shares is golden. Mm hmm. And let's do one more person. All right, I'm just going to do someone that people may not have heard of, which is a musician. So Larissa Stowe, she's going to be there. And she's Have you heard of her at all? Okay, yeah. 
So she is like amazing Kirtan vocalist and she's bringing a whole band there. So that is not only an experience where, you know, you can dance, you can sit. Um, but the, the way she sings is just something that just penetrates your soul and you just feel it in your heart. So we're going to have an after party on Saturday night and Adam Apollo is going to be DJing, doing like some galactic um, DJ set and we're really cosmic down. And then we're going to go into Larissa Stowe. So it's going to be a great experience for everybody. Um, please, please, if you're able to make it out, you know, April next year, the website is ascensionconference.com, ascensionconference.com. Nice. Oh, you took time off work? Yes. Yeah, man. Come hang out, or if you want, you can interview people, whatever you want to do, you know? That'd be cool. Yeah. Right, exactly. I'll just say that, you know, as the, as the world looks chaotic around us and we see all of this, um, these challenges and the division happening, I'm hopeful. But the reason why I'm hopeful is that I see that the more chaos, the more challenges that we get, the more people are waking up to the truth. That a lot of the things that are occurring on the planet that might have nefarious agendas are actually having a, a backfiring and people are waking up from it. So it's inevitable. The cycles of time prophecies said that we're waking up. But part of the waking up experience isn't just waking up into a world of unicorns. It's experiencing the challenges and the darkness and the depth of duality we need to remember our true divinity. Because what happens in this world of amnesia is the only way you can remember the light when you have amnesia. Because if you don't have amnesia, you remember it. The only way to remember the light is to experience the contrast. So we've been in this world of darkness for so long, and it's time for us to shift our perspective around it and stop being the victim to the darkness occurring to us and start being the creators of our own experience. You know, And it's easier said than done, but then it just goes back to really doing your own inner work, really just looking at what triggers you, why it does that, You know, um, connecting with people that make you feel good, meditating, things like this. So it's inevitable we're getting there. Whether you want to go kicking or screaming or you want to go as a conscious creator is completely up to you. And that's why we're doing the events that we do. So if you feel like you need some support or you know you know, you need a community because you might be somewhere in the world where you might not even have that opportunity, you know, join portalsascension.org. We have 3,000 hours of free content curated for you, right? In a way that if you're waking up or already awake, it can really help support you. So yeah, please do check it out. I just want to give everybody my gratitude for letting me speak today. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, you too.